Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Chalati. And I'm Charlie Bird. Each episode, we discuss a question we commonly get asked as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come to consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, what if staying single doesn't feel right anymore? Was that it? That's it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both have short hair right now. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, for the first time in our friendship, Charlie has shorter hair than me. Check it out. If you're watching on the YouTube, I buzz my head. <laughs> you my look, hair is very short right now, you and look, I have a mustache. You look so different looking at you. Is... Ben, Mike hasn't been able to look at me today. Uh, anyway, we're here to talk about something big. And I am nervous about it. Um, and we're just going to talk about some life changes and keep people up to date on what's happening with my life. I mean, it also like, feels weird that we're like, on a couch talking to each other. I don't... You shake it out, man. I, don't... <laughs> I do feel nervous about this. Um, should I just go? Just, yeah, let's... What are you nervous about? Well, why are you nervous? Um, I'm nervous just because I know that this is going to... A lot of people aren't going to be happy about this. So, And I also feel like I don't owe people any explanation about my life. Like, I don't have to share all the personal details of my life. Like, I don't need to let everyone know what's happening. Like, I know I deserve privacy. But I've just been so, so clearly, like, the single gay person in the church that if something were to change in that, I feel like people need to know. So you think you're pretty important? Uh, no, I just feel like that's like what I'm known for. Just like, I shouldn't do this to you while you're nervous. I'm sorry. It's like, it's like if there's one thing I'm known for, it's like Ben is single and openly gay. Like that's what people know about me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because you have been and you've been very vocal about it. I have. So um, I just feel like for the sake of maintaining my integrity, I just need to keep people up to date and not do anything in secret. So it sounds like that is changing your single status. Yeah, I, I don't Okay. So many things to say. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I am still very single. I have not gone on a date. Um, I haven't been on a date in like 10 years. <laughs> so, so um, but I am feeling the need to change that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. How did this come come to pass <laughs> to use a very popular phrase <laughs> and it came to pass thus it came to pass that ben didn't want to be single anymore <laughs> no this is what happened um i met a guy a year and a half ago who lives very far away and we just like met online then he was in town last year uh like a year ago this summer and we went out once uh just like just, he's like hey i'm gonna be in town i'd love to meet you i was like great let's get lunch and i actually mentioned him on the podcast because I had such a good time. I was telling a friend about it. And I thought he was really cute just from his Instagram. I was like, so I was talking to this friend after our lunch. I said, it was so much fun. I would love to go on another date. I was like, oh, oh no. I can't believe it was a date. <laughs> um, and then, because uh, like, that's what it felt like. But it wasn't. Like, it wasn't a date. Um, and then we met up again in person. You were actually there. Because mm-hmm. he was visiting family. He's really wonderful. I really love him. Yeah, he was visiting family. And then uh, we visited my mom. And she, like, almost died. And he saved my mom's life. That was the weirdest day of my life. It was very uncomfortable. And we can just... Maybe that's a song for another time. Yeah, it's a story for another time. that was a horribly awkward day it, with a weird miracle. Yeah. Anyway, so he saved my mom's life. So the only time we'd, like, been together in person was, like, this 
lunch where he we like bonded over like our emotional trauma of being gay members of the church and like this trauma bonding and then this like time where like my mom almost died and then uh that was a weird day so he was gonna be in town for like at the same time as your wedding so i invited him to your wedding as my plus one but i didn't know this was what this was gonna be like because we had not spent much time together like it mostly just been like texts and stuff and a handful of phone calls um and it was so fun we had the best time. I ever. had the best wedding. You did have a great wedding. <laughs> uh, it was really fun. Like, I rented us tuxes because you were very clear that people had to wear tuxes Strict for your wedding. dress code. Uh, so I rented one, us. One day we will release photos. <laughs> <laughs> so I rented us tuxes and it was, and it, and it, it was a lot of fun. And we, we spent a few days together. It was great. So I really liked him, and uh, but I couldn't date him. Like, I just couldn't date him. Uh, but I am really bad at keeping, like, any of my feelings to myself. Well, can I ask a, a question? Like, how... It, I imagine people listening to this, they're like, oh, so you had a crush on this guy and then you invited him to be a plus one to a wedding. Like, how is that not a date? Yeah. So let me tell you. <laughs> um, so I told him. Like it you rented him a tux. Well, I've taken lots of people to a lot of weddings and it's not a date. Like so many people to so many weddings. And just because you take someone to an event doesn't mean it's a date. So in my mind, there was no romantic intent. I wasn't trying to date him. And I even like said, like, this isn't a date. Like, you're just my plus one. You're, like, specific about that. Yeah. Which is, like, such a weird thing to do. Not weird, but... It is a little awkward. Yeah. It makes sense why you would do it, given, like... Yeah, because I like like I'm were. not like I'm not allowed to go on a date. Like I was working in the honor code office at BYU. Like it wasn't on the table for me. Yeah. Um, but I had told so many people about this guy that I liked and the crush I had on him, but I hadn't told him. And it felt weird that like I talked about him to so many people, but like hadn't told him the thing I was saying about him. So while we were together, I said, uh, I can't date you, but if I were to date, you are who I would want to date. But I can't date you. And he was, which is like such a weird thing to do, like cool. <laughs> like such a weird thing to do. And the analogy I gave is, it was kind of like I like gave him a note to like, do you like me? Yes or no? You know, like check yes or no. Um, and he like, uh, in the politest and kindest way, said, uh, "Those romantic feelings are not reciprocated." And I was like, and, and in my head, like, what what was I expecting to happen? Like, what what was I expecting? Like him to say, like, I like you, and I, then I feel good about myself. I'm like, oh great, well, let's move on with our separate lives. Yeah. Um, but but when when I like a person, I like just don't know how to handle those feelings, and I end up being like a like a teenager because I there's no way for me to like move forward with these things, and so I just kind of like try and mm -hmm. squash them. But these feelings like didn't get squashed right then. Like, like, like in the preparation for him coming and like when, when he was here. Um, and, and so I just, I've realized that, that when it comes to romantic, like when I like someone, I just handle it in really unhealthy ways. And cause I, I just don't know how. What's that like to say? Um, especially given like that you've talked about how you've been happy being single and like feel fulfilled in your choices thus far. What's it like to say? And also. I've been handling this one aspect of my orientation in a really unhealthy way. Yeah. Um, I think it's unreasonable for someone to like do everything right. You know, I think that when any, with any life choice, there's going to be um, like lost opportunities and maybe yearning for something more or different. And I really like my life. I've had a very good, happy life. And yet there's this part of my life that has been, unfulfilled like the romantic part of my life and you and i actually talked about this a few weeks ago um but i had i had a thought and then we were talking on the phone and then you articulated the same thought that i had had which was that i have never had a healthy romantic relationship yeah and and i told my dad that 
after we talked and he's like that is so sad and it is like it is sad mm-hmm. and um the reality of my life is that i have like so many good friendships like so many wonderful wonderful friendships i've got, got like this wide breadth of like people i love and care about who care about me um but i don't have like a really like deep relationship like not even a best friend even and uh and i think that's something that's been lacking in my life for a while like like that deep relationship at the same time like life hasn't been bad Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been really good um but there but still i just never learned how to like someone in a healthy way because i just never had the opportunity to Mm -hmm. it almost sounds like you're saying that the way you were being single was inhibiting your ability to develop a really deep relationship with one person I would say that's correct. Yes. Tell me more about that. Um, because, like, how does being single impact your ability to have a deep relationship? Yeah. Even uh, a best friend relationship. Yeah. I mean, um, like, I, there's nothing in my life like keep me from having a best friend right now. Just like, I just don't. And I think that's probably more of a demographic thing. Yeah. I mean, well, you're turning 40. In uh-huh. a few months, and most people aren't, and and you live like a college kid, like yeah. you live in a person's basement, <laughs> yeah. like off a campus, a college campus. Yes, that is true. Like 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 my life doesn't fit my demographic. Like right. th- there are very few people like me who are single in their late thirties, almost forty. Um, it's just like not a thing. And and then people who are in my demographic, like who are single, like I go to a mid singles board. Like we all have like really busy lives. Like we're all doing a bunch of stuff. Right. And we're all involved in a lot of activities. And you know, as you move through life as a single person, like you kind of like pick up people along the way you know it's like i'm in this ward and i like pick up some friends or you yeah. know and i just like keep them all so i have like a lot of friendships um but um but no one that stayed with you and stayed in your phase of life with you uh-huh yeah, yeah. and I, i've got some like like people i would have considered my best friends but they're all married and so i keep in touch with them regularly but it's just different you know i built up all these walls and barriers around my heart because if I really liked someone and had a relationship with someone, I felt like I would lose everything I cared about. That's an exaggeration, not everything, but a lot of things I cared about. You know, like I love teaching and giving and doing firesides. You know, I, I love that I have a book published through Desert Book. Like I love, like I loved working at BYU, like all these things like I super care about. I feel like if I ever liked someone and had a relationship, I would lose these things that are so meaningful to me. And, and so to protect myself, I just, Try not to let myself like anyone. I know, I know I'm, I'm saying that, but then also saying, like, I told everyone about this crush I had. Um, but that was just, like, my way of coping. Like, I have to acknowledge this reality, but I also have to, like, shut this down. And I just didn't know what to do. And uh, this was, like... T- Can I pause you? Yeah. You just said, like, a really, really, really intense thing. And you said it really quickly and very matter-of-factly. What was that? You just said, basically, if my heart feels what it feels... I will lose everything I care about. Yeah. And which is an exaggeration. I don't just, think that's an exaggeration. Just a lot I, of things no, I care ben, about. I think that feels very, very real to people. And then the three or four examples you gave were all very surface level. Those were all professional examples. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to do with social relationships and religion and church participation. They didn't have to do with any of the things, which maybe you're still not even like... Like, I'm just very interested that the three examples you gave were not the most important things to you that is or true. To people's lives yeah and uh, there there has been this fear that like um you know what if i make a choice that 
leads to me giving up things that really matter to me. Yeah. Can, like, can we please dig into that? Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. So, um, because you're, I, I just see you kind of like glossing this over, but that's like a very serious thing to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you want me to say? I don't know. I just want to hold like space because people feel like that. Yeah. Everyone feels like that. Yeah. If um, they're gay and they're a member of our church. Well, you know, like I, I wrote in that essay that I read a long time ago, um, feared, pitied, and honored about driving past all these temples and feeling like I wasn't going to get to go inside anymore. And, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember um, after kissing Jordan, this was 10 years ago, like going to church the next day and thinking, can I still take the sacrament? I, the answer I had was yes, and I did. Yeah. But still, like all these things that I care, like, yeah, there's a real fear that that loving someone will lead to incredible loss. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a fear that's rooted in reality for many people. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not some like it's not. It's not an irrational fear. You're right. I was talking to someone the other day who said they um, went to a temple open house and they're young. They're, they haven't gone on a mission. They haven't been endowed. Um, they're an active member of the church. And so they went to the celestial room and it's like a tour, right? And they just start shuffling people through and they were like, all right, like you got to keep moving. And he's like, I didn't want to leave because I ne- didn't know if I'd ever be able to go back because mm-hmm. I'm gay. And I don't know if it's possible to accurately describe that feeling mm-hmm. like how overwhelming how disheartening how isolating how terrifying it is yeah and how damaging it can be to self-worth and to confidence and to being open with people and mm-hmm. to having an open relationship with god like a being open in your relationship with god yeah. like these things that we go through that are just like we gloss over like oh i might not ever be able to go back there like they we have to gloss over them because those wounds like pierce very deeply. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, I guess that's all I want to dig into for now. Well, and I just, I, I guess that totally normalizes where you were. Cause you're saying like, I was doing this, but I was trying to be open, but also I was like shutting this down. I started being weird and doing weird things like saying to this guy, like, I, like I would like you, to date you, but I can't. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? That's so and, weird. And looking for validation and trying to have some sort of like semblance. I didn't even of, get the validation. <laughs> yeah, but but of course you wanted it because you've never yeah. had it, right? I wouldn't say never. I mean, like with Jordan. Yeah, that was ten years ago, and yeah. that and and with Mark wasn't you know? the healthiest. Like those didn't come from like open, healthy spaces right. either. Yeah, they were very problematic relationships. And it just makes sense to me people so i just imagine someone saying like well how can you like be doing these two things and living in this cognitive dissonance like what else are you supposed to do Mm -hmm. like what else are you supposed to do yeah as you're trying so hard to hold on to two things that are equally true and irrevocable to who you are yeah i have a good friend who is married to his husband they officially left the church many years ago and he was walking down the street and a thought came to his head like what if the book of mormon is true he was like oh shoot and he was like, maybe I should reread it. Like, I haven't read it in like 10 years. And he reread it and they go to church now. But it's like the, these deep parts, it's like we just can't escape. Yeah. So, yeah. 
moving to your like unhealthy relationships. (laughs) 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 Oh, my friend. (laughs) Um, Why were they unhealthy? They were unhealthy because there's this thing we've talked about before called the gay adolescence. And, you know, we have these maturing experiences as we go through, you know, as we have romantic experiences and have crushes on people and, and like them and have relationships, you know, we, we grow mature. I just haven't had those experiences. And so in a lot of ways, I just like, I am emotionally stunted when it comes to romantic relationships. Yeah. Cause I just haven't experienced them. Um, so I, I think that's one thing. And also, um, there's this thing that's true where you can both want something and not want something. Tell me about that. Uh, so I both really wanted to date this guy. And I also really didn't want to date this guy. Like those two things were very true at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, and like wanting something, but always like putting, a, putting it away um, just like leads to unhealthy behavior. It leads to like, like a lot of um, just like inauthenticity, I guess. Yeah. Cognitive dissonance, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's reminding me of, it sounds like ambivalence. You've been very ambivalent about relationships. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say so much the ambivalence because I, like, I knew that I was supposed to be single. You're making a choice, but you're longing for something else. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It wasn't like a, well. You know what kind of reminds me of, weirdly? What? Like, when you're a missionary, like, back when we went on our missions, we couldn't talk to our families, but, like, once a week. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because you, like, really want to be a missionary and, like, be focused, but also you, like, long for your family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, both wanting to be there and, like, wishing you could go home. Yeah. Yeah. I I think this is something we all experience, like, wanting two different things, but choosing the thing that feels... Feels right at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing, and we talked about this the other day, I made this observation about the few crushes that you've like openly talked about other than like, Ooh, he's cute. Yeah. The ones that you were like, Oh, I really like him. And like, we talk and we're friends and I like him. Um, all of them lived very far away. Uh huh. They, yeah. they were not close. They were not physical. They uh-huh. were all like through a phone. Yep. E- even Jordan, the guy you, mm-hmm. the only guy you've ever kissed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was, we didn't kiss over the phone. That was in person. Um, but most of the relationship was over the phone or on Skype, which is what we used to call Zoom. Right. Um, but there was that one guy that I met in my ward who I had a big crush on. Yeah, that lasted like three days, though. <laughs> no. Okay. Can't, I can't say who it was, but... <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? Of course. Okay. No, that was... Is- lo- Yes. Yes. I just, I just <laughs> mailed the tour. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, it lasted a lot, but that was that felt like totally different than the other ones. Yeah. Well, I liked him for a long time. Yeah. But but you're right. Like like uh, the people I've had crushes on are like like un- unobtainable. Like unobtainable. They, and and that makes sense too. Like you're only gonna let your guard down in some of these. Like. It, no, I, I see what you're saying. Like, like if, if there's someone here I like, I. I shut it down. Your system protects yourself. Yeah. You have these protectors but, but that it, you grow. If there's someone that's far away, I can, I can take off some of the barriers. Exactly. So yeah. these barriers come down. And part of me wonders if that's why, like, this week of my wedding, when you were, like, interacting with this person who you'd had a crush on a long distance, mm-hmm. like, texting crush for a long time, then he's there in person, and then it, like, feels 
like, oh, snap, I didn't realize so many of these barriers came down. Mm -hmm. And now I'm acting like a weirdo because I'm trying to put them back up while also wishing they could get lower. Yes, precisely. And all my friends liked him, too. That sucks. He's so wonderful. He really is. I bet he's listening to this. I love you. Thank you. (laughs) I think you're a great person. He's a big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was it like to not be liked back? Um... Here's the thing. I did it feel safe? Did it feel safe? Was it kind of reassuring because it could help you choose one side or the other? That's interesting. Um because at the time I had no intention of quitting my job. Um so part of me, I think I was mostly bummed, but also part of me was relieved, for sure. Yeah. That like I didn't have to deal with that anymore. Takes away the ambiguity. Exactly. Um at the same time like I don't take it personally when no one, when someone doesn't like me. Like I understand, like there are a lot of reasons to like or not like someone, and like if I'm not someone's jam, like I don't take that personally. Mm-hmm. So, and there are a lot of legitimate reasons, like I no one, like someone wouldn't like me. So I didn't take it personally, but I was just kind of like bummed because we had such a good time, and he's cool and a lot of fun, and and it honestly felt like life was better with him here. And I thought it would be fun if he were in my life for a long time. Mm-hmm. So and like that dream like as far-fetched as it was like that being squashed was just kind of sad but it was okay i told charlotte about it that night how did the how did this turn into you like reconsidering whether or not you want to be single yeah um so completely separate from this choice i decided to leave my job at byu um and that was a purely professional decision so um and you know i was I was there for just a little over four years. And for a long time, people said to me, people would say things like, well, Ben, you're not dating because you work at BYU. And I would say, no, that's not, that's not at all. Like, I'm not dating because I don't feel like it's the right thing for me. Um, and that changed about six months ago. Like, I wasn't dating because of my job. Hmm. And I, I don't know exactly when that shifted or how, but, like, I noticed it. Really? Yeah. yeah. I told you this. You haven't told me this. Well, I've told other people this. That's very interesting. Yeah. Tell I, me more about it. Um, and I don't know why or how, but it just, it just was like, because I talk to a lot of people and they tell me the same things. And I say, oh, no, that's not, that's not why I, I'm not dating because of my job. Like, I really feel like God wants me to be single right now. Mm-hmm. And I would say that and that would feel true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And you said it and it didn't feel and true. And I said it didn't feel true. Ooh. And then, uh, and then after I left my job. I gave a fireside in Napa, California. Um, and in the Q and a during the fireside, someone asked me if it was, a, if, 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 if I was allowed to date, like as a gay church member. And I said all the normal things I say, I said, well, the church doesn't really have a stance on same sex dating. Um, they have said that like, like immorality will be treated the same, whether you're homosexual or, or heterosexual. So we have a clear stance that, 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 that it's not worse uh, like 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 things are treated the same immoral wise if you're gay or straight, mm-hmm. um, but the church hasn't made a stance on on moral things like dating, kissing, hand holding. Like there's no statement on that. Mm-hmm. I said, but the BOU honor code does make a stance on that, and so um, and and so I and so I would often say, so for me as a BYU employee, dating is off the table for me, and that felt fine. Mm-hmm. So I was giving basically that same answer I always give. And I said, so the answer, I, I said, so the answer isn't like, is it okay for someone to date? Like when I asked myself this question, like, can I date? The answer is no, because I feel like God doesn't want me to. And I didn't, and I felt like I was lying. You said that and it felt wrong. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And then the people I stayed with, they're lovely and wonderful. And they're like, how do you feel about the fires? I was like, I feel like I didn't do a good job with that question. And they're like, why? It's like, and I, I didn't quite know what to say because it, I was still like processing it. But I told them like, I feel like I wish, I wish I'd talked more about principles and not been so like, like said something so specific. Mm-hmm. And like, well, you, you know, you did a good job and and talked about principles. And that nice thing, I was like, no, it was, I said I can't date and I don't feel that anymore. And I've said that so many times and it mm-hmm. felt right, and that shifted. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't why I left my job, but now that I'm not at BYU like I, I'm not under that op- like that expectation that I not date mm-hmm. so there was a definite shift and I don't know why like when that happened but I, I do know that I've felt that like probably, probably for the last six or seven months why did it take you seven months if you were feeling it um I don't think it was well maybe it was the right time I, I don't know um I just knew suddenly it was time to leave my job. Um, and once again, like it, like it was purely for professional reasons. I like my job, like in the honor court office, like doing student conduct work, it's not a career position for most people. Like you work in a university administration and you're in a job like that for like three to five years. Mm -hmm. I'd been there for four years. So I was just starting to feel professionally stagnant, which is very normal. And I had been trained to be a therapist and just hadn't done that. And, uh, I was just kind of like feeling like I needed to finish that training. I thought, and I, I had tried a number of ways to like stay at BYU and be a therapist and none of them worked out. And it just like became clear to me, like if, if I am going to become a therapist and if I'm going to finish my training, then I'd have to leave the university. And like, I had that thought on a Saturday morning and by the next day I was like 90% sure I was going to do it. And I had planned on spending the rest of my life at BYU. Like, I love it there mm-hmm. so much. And then that was a Saturday and a Sunday. And then on Wednesday, I quit. Like, it happened that fast. But it was, it was weird. Like, I just, like, knew, like, now it's time to go. It's interesting because what I heard you say was BYU and my position there was keeping me from dating for the past seven months. Mm-hmm. But... Dating is not the reason I quit BYU. That is 100% true. So you were comfortable with BYU keeping you from dating? Um, I just had felt so good about going there. Like, I mean, people talk about like feeling like called to go to BYU and like feeling inspired. And I know that's very annoying, but that is what I felt. <laughs> I, I've felt that same thing. You know, so I really felt like it was the right. I judge you. Like, I really felt like it was the right place for me to be. And it was. Like, it was. And I so treasure uh, the four years I spent there and I really wish I honestly could still be there. Um, it's my favorite place on the planet, maybe besides Tucson. (laughs) Um, and, uh, but, and I was willing to sacrifice a lot to stay, but I just knew it was time to go and I would love to go back someday. I have been back in town the, the last like nine days. And I think I've been at BYU six of those. So, like, I, I go play cards with my former colleagues, and I had a meeting with a professor, and I went and met up with someone for lunch. Like, Tell me about where this emotion is coming from. I just, I didn't want to go. I really didn't want to go. Um, 
like the day after I got back from my trip, like I was gone for a month and I, and, um, one of my friends who I worked with, uh, she had gone on a, on a big trip too, before I left. So I hadn't seen her for like a month and a half and we're really close. And I was like, so I went to my, my old office to like talk to, to like meet up with her to tell her, like talk about our trips. And it was so fun. And it's like seeing these people I got to work with every day. Like it was so great. And I left and I was like, I really miss these people, but I'm so glad I don't work here right now. And I just like, it makes me sad that, that it's just not right right now. Yeah. Cause I just loved it so much. And, and I loved that students could just stop by my office and chat. Like, I just loved that, like being available for people. And today I was talking to someone and they're like, Oh, I, I have a friend whose kid is gay and thinking about going on a mission. Maybe he'd come to you for therapy. I was like, well, I'll just talk to him for like, just give him my phone number. I'll talk to him. She's like, you can't do that anymore. Like you don't work at BYU. Like you have to make a living. Like that is a therapy session. I was like, oh yeah. And I hate that. Like, I just like love being available. And, um, well, it yeah. turns out you are available now. <laughs> my goodness. So, so yeah. So, so I'm, I'm pretty sad. Uh, okay. I think yeah. we'll come back to this because we, I feel like there are some questions people will have about like your position at honor code versus like dating now. And mm-hmm. I definitely want to ask you about this, but I still want to know, like, how did all of this turn into, I feel like it's right for me to start dating how did i feel like it's right to leave byu lead to i feel like it's right to start dating yeah um so i had that experience in napa then i went home for a week and a half and spent some time with my family and honestly i wasn't thinking about dating there that wasn't even on my radar and then i went to this caribbean island bonaire with my friend joey for two weeks um and had a great time but it also gave me like a lot of time to think like we did a lot of stuff but also there's like a lot of time to think and ponder and i realized that i've been making significant life choices based on this rule at byu that says that you know that doesn't allow for same-sex romantic behavior and it was a rule that i didn't agree with and i was making life choices based on something that i didn't agree with okay maybe i am gonna ask the question right now then yeah how like i feel like people are gonna listen to this and say if you didn't agree with the rule why would you take a position at the university that enforces it, in the office that enforces it. Yeah. And that's a really good question. Um, Because I felt like I could do a lot of good there. Uh, I felt like um, having a gay person in the honor code office would would, uh, make it a better environment and would make kids less scared of it. Um, I... You know, you and I were on this working group at BYU, like this LGBTQ working group when we were both students. And so many people were just, like, afraid of the honor code office. And they just thought, like, there were people in the bushes with binoculars, like, like ready to find them, like, pounce on them and then expel them. And I thought, well, maybe if I work there, then people wouldn't have to be so scared. And I could, you know, build some bridges and create some understanding. And I, I took queer students to lunch all the time. Like, I would buy them lunch all the time. And I would always have them meet me in my office because I wanted them to see the space. And I wanted my colleagues to get to know them. And... And it just like normalized all of it. And everyone was great. Like, like it just, so I, I know I, I didn't like change the culture of the university, uh, but I think I made it a lot less scary place for many people. Um, not everyone, but, but some people. Um, and you know, the question is like, like, why did I work for a place that had a rule that I didn't agree, that I didn't agree with? Um, I think that's a valid question. And I guess the the thing is, I just really felt called to do that. And in my interview, like when I was applying for the job, uh, they asked me, you know, how I would feel about enforcing rules that I didn't agree with. 
And I talked about this, that I disagree with this rule. But at the same time, uh, when people make commitments, um, they, they are bound to those commitments. And, and I also don't agree with the beard rule. You know, people should be able to have beards. A beard looks better than a mustache. Gasp. <laughs> you know? How dare you? I have a mustache right now, and it looks very nice. I don't care for it, personally. <laughs> um, but I'm grateful that you like it. So, so yeah, and I, I think a lot of people in a lot of positions um, end up working for organizations where there is something that they don't like, that they don't agree with. And this might be a little bit of a bigger thing um, than, than for most people, but I, I think that's a common thing. And how would you respond to someone who says, like, I can't believe Ben is about to do the thing that he used to punish students for doing. So um, just to understand like what I did in the honor code office, like 50% of what I did easily was academic dishonesty work, like people cheating on tests, plagiarizing papers, that kind of thing. Uh, I also worked on people who, with people who, who committed crimes, you know, um, and, and, and things like that. And what kind of crimes? <laughs> No need to talk about this. <laughs> you know, uh, like time card fraud is a common one. <laughs> oh no! So much, so much time card fraud, um, and um, and 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 also people who would who would have like law of chastity violations, and most of those were self report. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, violations of the dress and grooming standards were, were was a really small a really small amount. Um, every year in the honor court office, we maybe got like ten reports of same sex romantic behavior, like really small a really small number and anyone who made a report, uh, they would have to be willing to engage in the process with us, the reporting party, and then, uh, have their name attached to the report. So when we would call the person in, they would know who made the report. When we would tell them that most people would just re- withdraw the report. Like, eh, I'll just talk to them on my own. We don't have to do this. Um, and so, uh, in, in my four years at BYU, I maybe found like three people responsible for violating that that rule um and it was in my case always in conjunction with like some other violation like they said a few multiple violations and that was one of them and you self-reported yeah which is uncommon um in this case but does happen um and uh the outcome you had is the outcome that i saw other students who had only engaged in same-sex romantic behavior would re- would receive and you stayed full enrolled at the university yeah so i don't know anyone in my four years, who was suspended or expelled from university for just for engaging in same-sex romantic behavior. Yeah. I also want to, like, ugh, thank you for saying that, because the amount of roasted over the coals I got for that, they're like, Charlie Bird kissed a boy and didn't get kicked out of BYU. And I'm like, did you want me to? <laughs> yeah. Like, and also, I didn't get caught. Like, I literally was like, oh, man, like, I see this is happening in my life. I fell in love with this guy. I've kissed him. I've held his hands. Yeah. Boss, like in the four years I was there, that no one was suspended right. or expelled for same-sex romantic behavior. Yeah, a lot of students would come in and ask me, you know, what are what are the expectations? Like, can I date? Can I kiss? Can I, can I hold hands? And I would explain to them the expectations, and, and I would say, you don't have to agree with the rule, but you have agreed to follow it. Uh, that, that's what I would tell them. And I say, and when you're not at BYU, then you're not bound by this rule anymore. So when I was at BYU, I followed that rule. And now I'm not at BYU anymore, and I'm not bound to follow that rule anymore. Yeah. But I am bound to live the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what I'm going to do. I want to pin that, but I want to ask one more question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what would you say to someone who's just mad about this, who's just like irate that you worked in the honor code office? 
Yeah, I, I there mean, are because the thing is, there are so many people who are so mad about it. Yeah, honestly, be mad. Like, I'm not gonna tell you how to feel. Like, if you're mad, be mad. Yeah, but also, you know, if you're mad, you know, anger is a secondary emotion. There's something that 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 anger is covering. You know, is it hurt, betrayal, loss? I, I don't know. I'm not you. I'm not. You're not even talking to me. I don't. This is a hypothetical person. Um, so I would say, if you're mad, be mad. You know, feel what you feel. Yeah. Um, and I think it it's a perfectly valid feeling. And um, if someone wants to be mad about my life choices, like that's their right. But I made the choices that felt best to me, and I am so glad I made. I'm so glad for the years I spent in the honor code office. They were some really good years, mm-hmm. and I feel like I got to do some really good things. I'm a very outgoing and gregarious person. I'm so friendly and fun. Um, but like oh I, gosh. <laughs> I, I got to know so many people, and all these people I worked with have a good friend who was gay, who was their colleague and friend, and that is good for the institution. Um, because I worked at BYU, I got to give so many class presentations, so many, I got stopped all the, I was just on campus today to play cards with my, you know, my former colleagues. And as I was leaving, someone was like, you spoke in my class a few semesters ago. That was great. You taught me so much. I was like, yeah, that was wonderful. I love that, you know? And, and so I've gotten to do a lot of teaching and educating that I don't think I would have gotten to do had I not worked there. So, so, I mean, I think, I think if people are like mad at me. A lot of it's probably just like mad at like a system that they don't like. Yeah. And I'm just like who they're like, I'm just like, the, I think people, the personification I think of that. people feel stuck or scared and they pick someone to blame it on. Yeah. And honestly, and I, I that's fine. Like if I'm the person you want to be mad at, like uh, whatever. Yeah. So I'm just trying my best. So moving back to the dating conversation mm-hmm. and I still remember the pin. We're going to come back to that. Okay. <laughs> this is very fun. Great. <laughs> um, so what does that look like for you? Yeah, um, this is what I feel. Um, I'll, just a quick story. So um, after, after the wedding, your wedding, um, this guy and I, um, I don't tell us in the, I wrote a blog post about all this, and I don't tell us in the blog post just to like condense the story. So, the exclusive edition. <laughs> I just condensed it because I didn't want to give all the details. But after this, we then went on a trip together. He had invited me to go on a hiking trip with him and his family. Um, and I went and it was great. Uh, and the conversation I told you about where he said he didn't like me, that happened after the trip. So we went on this trip and I didn't quite know how he felt about me. And, and I, but he like had invited me to go on this trip with his siblings and in-laws. So I was like, that's something you don't just like do with a friend that you don't super know anyway. Um, so I, I just wasn't sure how he felt about me. Uh, but I told a bunch of people, I was like, there are only four things that can happen. Either I like him and he doesn't like me. And that makes me sad. Or he likes me and I don't like him. And that makes me sad. Or we both like each other and I can't, and we can't date. And that makes me sad. Or neither of us are interested. And that's kind of a bummer. Cause liking someone is fun. And that makes me sad. And I was like, no matter what, I'm going to be sad. Like I'm going to go on this trip and I'm going to be sad. Um, and, and I, and I, this is so weird. Like, this is part of like the weird things that people like, like that I do. I told my boss, like the honor code director, I told him I was going on this trip and I told him about this guy I was going with. I told him I liked him. I said, and I'm telling you this so that I will keep my commitment to the university on this trip. Like if he does like me, like I don't want to kiss him. So like, I like put that actual barrier there so that nothing could happen. Um, and on the trip, like we had the conversation after, but it was clear that he wasn't romantically interested in me. Like that was clear. Um, and so I just like went off by myself. We're like on the coast of Vancouver Island. And I just like went off by myself a couple of times, like sat on the rocks, just like watched the waves. And I was like, I kind of wanted to cry. 
and uh, just like get my sadness out. But I didn't. Like what I felt instead was just like immense gratitude for my life. And, and that wasn't what I was expecting, just feeling grateful for the life I have that I built for the people that are in it. And so to go back to your question, like how do, how am I moving forward with this? I am really happy with my life. And I think this is a good time for me to start dating because I don't feel like I need someone to have a fulfilling life. I already have a fulfilling life. You're not desperate. Correct. Um, and if, if I go on a few dates and like, Two years from now or five years from now or whatever, like I never have a boyfriend, um, I don't think I'll be like, I won't feel unfulfilled. I think I'll still have a good life. Um, so I plan to just like let things happen organically. Like I don't want to go on any dating apps. I not plan doing that. But I just want to like see who comes into my life. And um, like you and Ryan just like met randomly through a mutual friend. Yeah. You know, um, that's how I would like to meet someone. Because um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not anxious to find someone. I just want to be like open to it. So, yeah. can I tell you what I'm feeling right now? Yeah. I am incredulous. Yeah. I actually am. And I kind of have been since you told me, because just for anyone who's wondering, like, all his timeline does add up. Like, he made the decision to date, like, well after all of this happened. Like, kind of like a week ago, right? No, no. It was, it was back. Maybe two weeks? This it, is like three weeks ago. No, it, it was after conference. Yeah. It was after our general conference discussion. The conference was a month ago. Was it really? And this was like three weeks ago. Well, I have no concept of time these days. <laughs> but it's been pretty soon. Yeah. It's been is, pretty recent. This is a new development. And Ben, you called me and told me this, and I was like shocked. Mm-hmm. I was like legit flabbergasted that you were deciding to date because you've been so staunchly single mm-hmm. and so vocally single. Yeah. To like so many thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we'll see what he says tomorrow. Like, this is how Ben's feeling. So I called you and checked in the next day. And I was like, how are you I, feeling? Was it even, I think it was days later. Like I checked in a lot. Okay. And every time I've asked you if you're actually going to do this, I've been expecting you to say no. And you've said, yeah, I feel good about it. And I'm like, even now, as we record this podcast, I drove here today and I was like, we're not having this conversation tonight. Ben's not going to do any of this. He's not going to announce nothing. Um, so like, I don't know. I feel very incredulous. Like I still believe it's going to happen. Well, I mean, and and I just, I think if it's a shock to me who maybe knows you in this part of you better than most people, Mm -hmm. like I, I wonder how much of a shock it is to other people and like, what are they supposed to do with that? Uh, I mean, be shocked. Be, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that were you shocked by it? Yeah. It wasn't what I was expecting. This was one? there like a prayer or something you said? Like, how did this, like, how did this actually go from, I want to date, I'm not at BYU, I feel tension. Because you, you said you felt like you lied, but you just said the same thing that has been true for a long time. And then all of a sudden there was tension behind it. Yeah. So I can see how that can be awkward. And I can see people like, man, lie to a fireside. But like, like, what are you supposed <laughs> to do? I didn't mean like, to lie. Right. <laughs> well, then, impact over intentions. Just okay. saying. Oh. <laughs> Napa, California will be okay. <laughs> um, so, like, how did this turn into actually feeling like it was the right thing for you? Yeah, I think it was, um, like, I spent two weeks on Bonaire. And, like, so I just ha- go to the Caribbean and fixes your problems? No. <laughs> um, but, like, I had a lot, I just read a lot while I was there. Were and- you praying about this? Were you? Yeah. And, and there was, like, a, there was a pool in the backyard that I just, like, 
just like relaxing every day and you know i went snorkeling like i just like had a lot of time to think mm-hmm. and like there's this all these changes in my life and i just like thought about like well what does god want me to be like how am I, like how am i supposed to move forward in all these changes and it's just like it wasn't like a moment it wasn't like someone flipped a switch but it was just like this like slow gradual understanding of like like ben you have closed your heart down for so long just like open it up mm. and, and and i want to be clear like the the impression i got while i was in the caribbean wasn't start dating it was don't lock your heart hmm. and and i don't know what that's going to look like it could just look like i go on some dates and i get sad because no one likes me or someone likes me i don't like them and i have to turn them down that's hard you know i haven't i haven't dated for 10 years like 10 years when you did date, I wouldn't even call that dating. No. I would call that like accidentally falling into a relationship and freaking out about well, it. Well, I dated a lot of women in my 20s, like a lot. Yeah, but uh, that's so much different yeah. than that is like, like yeah. that's not dating. Right. Those are friendship outings. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> With like a weird social expectation. <laughs> yeah, but it was just like this like feeling of it's time to grow in a way you haven't grown before. Mm-hmm. And I also realized like I am not going to be an easy person to date. Like I come with a lot of baggage, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, but it just, it just like slowly, like through this, like thinking and pondering process and, um, and just like talking through people, like I, I'm an out loud thinker. So I, I think by talking to people and, and I called my dad and told him about the conversations you and I had had and how I was maybe thinking about dating. And, and I remember him saying at the end of the conversation, he said, he said, he said, Ben, I love you. I'm proud of you. This is the right move. Don't look back. And I got off the phone and just like felt emotional. Like how lucky am I to have a father who, you know, when I say I've never had a healthy romantic relationship, like feels sad for me. And then I say, I think I'm going to make this big life change. He says, I'm proud of you. Don't look back. And um, even after that, I was like, maybe I will look back. And then I wrote about that conversation in my journal that night. And once again, I had so much time to think. And I just thought, this is the right move. I can't look back. And there have been moments in the three weeks since where I've been like, oh, I should look back. And I remember that feeling I had sitting on that patio in Bonaire and realized, like, no, this is, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and once again, like, the right thing is just to, like, You feel not, like you're being called to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you're being in, like impressed to remove mental and emotional barriers that you put up with everyone you meet mm-hmm. because there's a part of your heart that has kind of been crippled for a long time yeah. that needs to start stretching out. Yeah. Um, and something I want to say, you know, I, I said like I was living a life based on this rule I didn't agree. Um I really love the end of Second Nephi, like some of my favorite chapters in the Book of Mormon. And I've mentioned this before, but in Second Nephi 25, that's where there's the verse where it says, you know, we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, you know, that our children may know for what sort of to go for remission yeah, of their sins. Yada, yada, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but, then, but then the next verse says that they keep the law of Moses, but the law has become dead to them. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then he talks about how, how the, the law was good and that it pointed them to Christ even though the law felt dead to them. Mm-hmm. And I, over the last few weeks, I've been thinking about, like, did keep, like, because I didn't date 
you know, until like the last few months. I didn't, I didn't not date. Sorry. I didn't date not because, sorry, this is a confusing sentence. I was single. Yeah. yeah, That's better. I was single because I felt like God wanted me to be. Okay. And I am certain that that is the, that, that is the case. And did that bring me to Christ? So much. So much. Um, I look at the last 30 years, or not last 30 years, the last 10 years of my life, like in my 30s, and my being single led me to grow in immense ways. And in ways I don't think I would have grown if I had been like trying to actively date and find someone. Mm-hmm. Like being single was the right choice for me. I have no doubt of that because it brought me to Christ and made me grow. And I think that has just shifted. Yeah, you grew all the growth there. Mm-hmm. And, but the, 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 but the truth is like like I don't know what this is gonna look like, and it could be that you know when I was twenty three, I came out to my two best friends, and I immediately gave up on life. Like, I gave up on life. I was like, I'm gonna be lonely and sad. I just need to white knuckle it through life till I die. And uh, I was like, I'm not gonna marry a woman, and of course I can't marry a man. So I just like gave up on life. And I had this very spiritual experience working the MTC where I felt called to pursue marriage to a woman. And I did that. And I met this woman who I wrote a whole chapter about in my book and had a marvelous experience, and it didn't result in marriage. But that relationship changed me. And I remember um, as I was like getting ready to come out publicly, I'd like written this blog post and I was so scared to post it and I hadn't seen her in a few years, but I sent it to her and I remember her reading that post and then writing back to me and telling me her feelings about it and saying, um, well, Ben, who knows if you come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that gave me the courage to come out and, you know, God could, could have gotten me to meet her in another way, but that's how he did it. And so I don't know if me feeling prompted to open my heart and to start dating is going to lead to a boyfriend. Like, I don't know where it's going to lead, but I just know I need to do it because there are things in the future that I can't see. And if I don't take steps forward, I'm going to miss those things. And in the past, if I hadn't tried to marry a woman, I would have missed out on some really incredible things. So that's really lovely, Ben. Well, it's the truth. Well, I can tell that I can tell that you actually mean this, and I can tell this is scary for you. That's super scary. Like I'm gonna be bad at it, and also you hate being bad at things. I do. You're gonna be so bad. I can't wait to watch. (laughs) (laughs) There are a few things I can't do besides bored people. Well, no, no, but I I think it it makes sense that you'd be scared too because you just talked about all of these walls you put up to avoid losing the things that you didn't want to lose, and now it like you're looking at it and looking at like. The option you, I mean, you already have lost. You don't work at BYU anymore. And you I love mean, it. The, the things I listed, I was afraid of losing. Like I already lost. Yeah. And that you know? hurts and it's scary. And it makes sense that you wouldn't be good at handling this emotionally because you've never had to, because you've always just erred so far on the side of staunchly this. So I don't lose it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you're stepping out into this much more like wilderness, ambiguous space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like the truth is like most of my life isn't changing. Like, the, like, my values are the same. I was you know? actually thinking it was funny because, like, people are going to be freaking out that Ben Shalati's dating. But, like, actually, you haven't even been on a date. No, in, in fact, <laughs> like, literally in, nothing's in fact, changed. I asked one person out and he said no. <laughs> so, so it's like, I might not even go on a date soon. Like, who knows what's going to happen. But, like, the truth is, like, my life is going to be the same. So like, why do you feel, or why do I feel like I have to say this? Like, why do you have to tell people this if absolutely nothing has changed? You literally haven't been on a date. Yeah, because I probably will. And, oh, um, my gosh. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, but I just, like, 
Um, I, I just feels wrong to tell people I'm, I'm, I'm single and then to not be single and like not update them on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I get it. Like that's a hundred percent the reason Yeah. I reported to the honor code. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, this is wrong. This isn't like, this isn't integrity. And so I did this thing and I was like, that's not where I said I am. So I'm going to get back to where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I could, I told everyone about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've been like really transparent with the people in my life. Like I told my bishop, we had a good conversation. You know, I'm going to keep working in the temple. Um, you know, I'm going to keep reading the scriptures every day and praying. Like all those things are staying the same. Like my values haven't changed. I'm just going to go to dinner with a man I think is attractive and see how that feels. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and I never have before. And we've been to dinner, Charlie. Crazy. How dare you? I know you like my mustache. Just, just not, admit it. I'm so <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I'm not available. <laughs> I'm so thrilled that you love. I think the mustache. you should have known that for my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I have some questions. Um, we're going back to the pin. Mm-hmm. Remember the pin? I remember do you remember what pin. you said? I don't, but let's you, go to the pin. you said essentially like you do feel called to live the gospel of Christ, and that's what you're going to keep doing. Yeah. So I was curious how you would respond to someone who listens to this and says, "No, like." This isn't coming from a good place. This isn't the gospel of Christ. You're claiming personal revelation here, but you're just making like this easier choice. Mm -hmm. And how can you claim like full participation and fellowship in this church and then go against its teachings? Yeah. The the church has no teaching against two men going on a date and holding hands. That just isn't a thing. There's there's no teaching against that. Um, If you read um, Mormon doctrine like the version from the 60s or 70s. The one that's no longer sold at Deseret Book. Yeah, but that sits on a bookshelf in my parents' house, and it's probably right here on this bookshelf behind us. Uh, I actually moved it over there yeah. because it was so there, and I didn't oh, yeah. want people to be like, ah! <laughs> uh, But it talks about celibacy in it and says how terrible celibacy is. Mm. And so I think there is... Um, a, I, I think there, there's also an argument that that me choosing to be single was also also damns you. Yeah. So so you might as well have more fun. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um, no. I love making you squirm. I'm sorry. And one thing I'm committed to that I've always been committed to is doing what I feel called to do, and I want to live within the within the teachings of the gospel. And I check in with God all the time, and I want, and I'm going to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And if I start stepping, going down a path that isn't right for me, like that is what agency and the atonement of Jesus Christ are all about. Like if I end up making a mistake, then that's why we have a savior. Ben, that I love that you said that because that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That like literally is the plan of salvation to come here and figure it out and trust in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and here's the deal. Next week, you could have a new thought that's like, actually, Ben, the only thing I wanted you to do was get to this point, mm-hmm. and you should be single, and that could happen. Yeah. And next week, not something else could happen. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And and there are these things that like are shifting and changing that I don't really know how they're going to work out, but there are like rock solid things that I do know. And those are the things that are going to guide me. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't make a lot of mistakes. I'm not going to make any mistakes anyway. Whatever. (laughs) Check yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to ask you more questions about how you respond. Or is there anything else you want to say? Like, okay. How would you respond to someone who says, Ben, this isn't realistic. Like, you're saying that you're going to go on dates and be chased 
and like keep your values while also entering into this like other like space. Mm-hmm. Like that's not realistic and you're kidding yourself if you think you can do that. Like what would you say to them? And maybe I'll end up in a relationship that ends up being pretty temporary. Um and you know, I think about like like my life here with Charlotte, you know, when I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> um but I got back from my trip just a little over a week ago. And I like Charlotte and I are very close. When I'm on when I'm gone, I still call her and we talk. Um, and I got home and Charlotte was so happy to see me. And I told her multiple times what day I was gonna be home and she forgot. So she was surprised when I showed up and was home. And we had a great time catching up on on like the last month and how things had been. Um and then I was writing my journal, like talk like about how happy I was to be home. And Charlotte's turning 90 in a few months. And it just like occurred to me like I'm not going to get to live here forever. Yeah. Like this relationship isn't going to be forever. And, but I'm just like, I'm so glad that like, at least for now and maybe another five years, you know, Charlotte and I get to live together. Like it's so wonderful. And, um, is this, is, is my relationship with Charlotte sustainable long-term? It is not. We are, she's 50 years older than me. Like, you know, this isn't always going to happen, but for right now it's the right thing. And maybe I will end up in a relationship that won't be sustainable long-term, but that doesn't mean it doesn't matter in that moment. And it doesn't mean that it won't be good in that moment. It doesn't mean it won't be what I need in that moment, what the other person needs. Um, what I'm looking for is, you know, we had Will and Eric on the podcast a few months ago about, like, does anyone date and stay in the church? Um, I would love a relationship like what they have. You know, they're both active in the church. They have temple recommends, but they're also dating and they love each other. And, um, you know, they spend their weekends together. Like, that's what I'm looking for. And if what they're doing is unsustainable, and if I end up in a relationship like that and it's unsustainable, then when it falls apart, I'll be grateful that it happened. Do you think it's possible to be in that relationship and uphold your like chastity standards? I do. And if I'm fooling myself, then when I make a mistake, I will repent and change my behaviors. Mm-hmm. But I do. I mean, I'm almost 40 and I've been pretty chaste, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how anyone is going to argue with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people just think that there's that they have to do X, Y, or Z if they're in a dating relationship. And and you and Ryan are good examples to me. You guys dated for two and a half years and you waited until you were married. And I think that that is like, like if you and Ryan can do it, then of course I can do it. <laughs> right. I am way stronger than you guys. Well, Not physically, of course. But <laughs> that's nice of you to say. Yeah, we did. We really did. And it was actually three years. Three years? Yeah, we got married three years to the day we met. I remember because like much later, but like we knew each other the whole time. You, you know? got married on the three year anniversary of meeting. Isn't that cute? I didn't know that. Oh, that's so cute. That is so cute. Good thing um, it was a Friday. Th- there's a lot of cute <laughs> things about our wedding that maybe I'll share one day. But yeah. going back to what you're saying, I <sighs> that stresses me out more than anything that yeah. people feel pressured into changing their values to make someone like them. And the reason that happens is because of the gay adolescence. It's because these people go into these ex- like experiences where they've hated this part of themselves so much and they find someone else who loves it and is interested in them because they're gay. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they give way too much and they regret it and they change and they feel shame and they get into these dangerous situations. And Ben, it in a way kind of goes back to the like, honestly, like the other relationships that you've had. However, like, insignificant they might seem to some people mm-hmm. as far as like how like involved they were both of those came like cropped up from a place where you were like really trying to live one way but feeling like 
shifty and you were like hiding things and not telling people and feeling a lot of pressure and not knowing much about yourself and not feeling confident in who you were or your identity or your values. Yes. And like if you introduce dating at that place, it leads to bad things. And then you have this entire demographic of people who say, if I date, I'm going to have to put out or else no one will love me. Mm -hmm. And it just like reinforces the idea that like gays are sinful and it just like it's so sad that it like goes that direction but it's coming from a place of trauma and on that needs and it's coming because people aren't allowed to date and they're shamed for it and they have to go to a parked car to meet someone they've never met and never tell anyone who they're with or where they're going and they make Mm -hmm. bad decisions so why are we driving people to secrecy yeah and (sighs) yeah and and like Like, always it stressed me out so much yes like like moms do you know how many Young gay men I have talked to who have been sexually assaulted because they're hiding that they're going on a date because they are too ashamed to tell you because they think that you're going to judge them or not invite them home for Christmas or kick them out of the house. Like, it is awful and it is happening. So just please be so careful with this. And, like, do you want your kid to be lying and be sexually assaulted or do you want them to be safe and have space to figure out who they are as they go on dates and double dates and open like like exactly the kind of dating you're talking about exactly the kind of dating that me and Ryan carved out for ourselves because it didn't exist yeah <sighs> yeah <laughs> you got a lot of passion here charlie I have so much and, passion about yeah. this yeah and and you know i think there there I, I mean, I know a lot of people who are, you know, dating in line with their values, and I, I, yeah. I, I want to see that happen more. Um, but going back to what you said, um, I have these, like, as I was telling people about this news, I knew how some people were going to react, and, like, the people were going to be, like, really excited, like, yay, finally, Ben, like, you should have been dating forever ago, you know? And um, after my trip to Bonaire, I went to St. George, and I was hanging out with my friends, the Sorensons, and they're great. I knew they would be happy for me, but I wasn't quite sure how they would take the news, um, which is, like, isn't super news anyway. Uh, but I knew they'd, they'd be like happy for me, but I wasn't sure they'd be like concerned. So I shared with them like, I'm going to start dating, but I did it like in a very nonchalant way. As I was leaving their house, I stayed at their house for a day and a half. Uh, Tiffany, the mom, she said, Ben, let me know about your dates. And I said, of the week? And she said, no, your dates with guys. I want. <laughs> she, she's like, I want to hear about your dates. And that was the kindest thing she could have said because I don't have to hide anything from people that I care about. a layer of shame. And um, she's not the only one. I'm going to have to call a lot of people. <laughs> um, you know, people are just like, you know, I want to, I want an update. Like, I want to hear what's going on. And like, how lucky am I? And also, you know, like I'm, like I'm older. So like I've, a more formed person than someone who's like in their early twenties. Right. But in some ways, like you just said, this aspect of you hasn't been developed. Yeah. And I want to say that I like, respect the heck out of you for doing what you're doing right now, especially given like your past and your position and the way people are going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Cause what you're doing is you're refusing to act in secret mm-hmm. and you're saying, I am not going to put myself in those situations. Yeah. And that is safer and you'll make better decisions because of it. Cause if I'm being honest with you, you're going to like, if you ever do like someone and like, that's so scary. Like, no, <laughs> I know, but it, it really does. It takes a lot of self determination. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of like grit and like confidence to live your values and live the law of chastity. Mm-hmm. It really does, especially if you haven't been formed that way since you were a kid. Like, entering a, the dating world as an adult man with other adult men, it's difficult. Yeah. Right? 
And you will be in situations where it like tests you and having that layer of protection of not having it be a secret, shameful thing will help you make clearer, better decisions. Mm -hmm. And I imagine help you like adjust if there's anything that needs to be adjusted Mm -hmm. because then you can have conversations. You can actually figure it out rather than just be like alone on your own Island, accidentally doing things you don't mean to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very brave. Thank you. It's courageous. I'm just trying to be brave, <laughs> but it is scary, honestly, because like I'm seven to a world I've never been in. How would you respond to people who are upset, like by you? <laughs> <laughs> Give me more context. <laughs> okay, so like, what if someone were to say, "I can just almost like see the tweets now, right, <laughs> or like the comments or whatever." Are they called X's now. The X's now. I don't know. You're gonna called. have X's. Oh, uh, so exciting! Oh, maybe. Yeah. If someone ever says yes to you on a date. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, what if someone were to say, like, Ben, you are a person of, like, influence, and a lot of people have looked up to you, and you making this decision is going to lead youth away from the church? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think it'd be weird to say, like, I would lead people away from the church since I am still active in the church. That feels odd to me. I feel <laughs> the same way about <laughs> me, actually. Yeah. Uh, we're, like, bo- we're both still very active. I, I'm always like, really? Because I was literally there last Sunday and yeah. had a meeting with my bishop. So I don't know, like... Yeah. Uh, oh, how'd that go? No, anyway. Really well. Uh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. I was just making a joke, but we can talk about it I'm doing great, Ben. Wonderful. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so... So I'm very active in church. And the thing I have always said is uh, have a personal relationship with God and let God guide you. So if anyone is looking to me for what they should and shouldn't do, like I have been telling you to do that for a long time. Um, so, so don't look to me for like, like as an example, I've, I've never said that. And, and honestly, and, and if, if you were to look to me for an example, which I think is dumb, don't try and do what I do, like live your life. Um, you know, I made this decision after working in the temple for three and a half years, you know, um, I made this decision, uh, you know, at the age of 39, almost 40. So if someone wants to do what I do, you know, be single for 39 years, serve in the church like crazy. And then, yeah, you have permission, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, if someone is listening to this episode and they have chosen, you know, not to date people of the opposite sex, not to date people of the same sex, like not to date at all, and this is making them feel uncomfortable. Um, I would say, say a sincere prayer with God tonight, ask for direction on your path. Mm-hmm. And and feel a confirmation of the choice you've made. You know things like that has ha- have happened to me before, where like someone will say something like, "Oh, am I making the right choice?" And then I check in with God. And I'm like, "No, I'm making the right choice." Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like if your rationale for being single is because Ben Shalati's single, or if your rationale for getting married is because Charlie Bird got married, like, mm-hmm. I I just hope you find some better rationale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, have an internal locus of control. Internal locus of control that's connected to God. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so what would you say to someone who says like, um, like Ben, this is, isn't this really hypocritical of you to like set yourself up as this standard and write a book about how you're a single gay Latter-day Saint and then like have all these people like believing that they can do it because you, you can, or have parents thinking that their kids can do it because you can. Yeah. And then is that not hypocritical to now be like, actually, I'm going to shift a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
I'm such a hypocrite. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that's a good question. It was a bit of a complex question. That's the soundbite that I'm going to post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot in that, so there's a lot to respond to. Um, but the first thing, like there's a chapter in my book called Perfectly Single. Um, and I don't say people should be single, but I talk about how I have been like happy and fulfilled as a single person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I stand by everything I said there. Like I think that you can have a very happy and fulfilled life as a single person. I have, and I probably will continue to. You know, um, and so I I firmly believe that. And I also like I said in my book that I kissed Jordan, and it didn't feel like a sin to me. Like that is in print in my book. So so it was in there. Um, and I also said you know, well, and I also said like this is what my life looks like now. But so I you're telling what... me that you've thought like you've felt like it's an okay thing, I... but it didn't feel okay for you. Correct. The question for, for me wasn't, is this right or wrong after that moment, but was it, is this right for me? Do you feel like people assume that, like, I don't think people are reading that nuance when they hear you say that, mm-hmm. it, they will generalize that statement. Ben saying, I'm single because I don't feel like God wants me to date men, will say, Ben believes that it's bad for people to date men. I mean, people can... Or for gay men, to, or, you know, same sex. People thing. can mishear what I say, but that's not what I say. Yeah, And so if someone's interpreted that way, like, I'm sorry, that's not what I've been saying. And when I am representing the church and, you know, giving a fireside, like, yeah, I'll talk about the church's stance and position. Just like when I worked in the honor code office, I would tell people what the, what BYU stands. And what I, what I have said and what I will continue to say is I can't imagine a life moving forward that I am not actively engaged in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of another question I was going to ask. How would you respond to someone who says, well, Ben, my mom's been telling me that, like, been, like, holding being single. Like, let's say this, I feel like this happens a lot. Like, a kid will be dating and she'll be like, well, why can't you be like Ben Shalati and be single and stay in the church? Yeah. Um, I encounter these mothers sometimes. (laughs) Um, And uh, sometimes at a fireside, someone will come up to me and say, oh, Ben, you're so great. I wish my I wish my gay kid could be just like you, and and I have said a, a number of like a variety of things in response to that. But I've often said something like, "Thank you so much for like loving me in my life. I'm so honored." I think it'd be really hard for your kid to hear that. And what I, what I want is for people to be happy when I'm happy and to rejoice when I'm rejoicing. And your kid, I'm sure, is doing plenty of things that you could be happy about and rejoice. And I would say, and I would say focus on that things and don't wish that your kid is someone else. Yeah. I've, said, I've said that to tons of people. Yeah. And just this last week, um, I have a friend who has a gay son. And, um, and I... And I recommended he read my book. So he read my book. And afterwards, he said, oh, Ben, I loved your book. It taught me so much. It helped me understand my son better. I really wish he could read it and be like you. And then before I could interrupt him, he said, and I know what you said at the end, that I shouldn't give him my story, your story, but I should ask him to tell me his. He said, maybe I need to talk to my son. I was like, yes, do that. We got there. But, but I, think yeah. it, I think it's really... You know, parents just like naturally want certain things for their kids. And of course, they're going to want their kid to choose the same things that they've chosen that matter to them. Like if someone has, cho- like if, some- if the church is important to someone, then they're going to want their kid to have, like the church to be important to their kid too. I think that's just natural and normal. And unfortunately, you know, if my story is used as an example of what someone should do, like that is really painful. And I have tried my darndest to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I've explicitly asked people in my book at the beginning and at the end of it. At the beginning of this podcast, yeah, we do it. And at the, and at the end. Yeah. And at every fireside I give, I tell people not to share my story, um, but but to invite the LGBTQ people in their lives to, to mm-hmm. share theirs. Um, so I, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. It, it's interesting. It's like, it's not, 
your, I don't see it as your fault that somebody's mom is disappointed in their kid. Mm -hmm. I just, I, you know, and it's like, and and it makes sense that that they would like, I can, I can see right now, like somebody who isn't going to listen to this podcast, doesn't care about us is going to see that like you have decided to go on a date and be like, Oh my gosh, I hate him even more now because my mom hung him over my head for years. Yeah. And it's like, that sucks. That Well, that's a conversation to have with your mom. Yeah. That has not like, you haven't met him. You haven't met the mom likely. And you know, it's like, shouldn't that be between the child and the mom rather than pulling this person? And if, and if a parent's saying this, like, Let's figure out why they feel that way. Yeah. And it probably doesn't have much to do with you, Ben Shalati. It has to do with them and their kid. And I will personally talk to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and correct her. No, we already established you can't do this for free anymore. You have to be a therapist. I will talk to your mother for $40. <laughs> I feel like there's this idea of like, be your authentic self as long as it looks exactly the way I want it to. Yeah. And that's happening on kind of like both ends of the spectrum. And I'm uh-huh. like, y'all, if we actually believe we're children of God, if we actually believe in diversity and belonging, then like our experiences should be valid and they should be individual and they should be le- used to like learn and pull us together and not be used as weapons Yeah, and not be generalized or picked apart. Like, yeah, I, I talked to this mom once after Fireside, and I told the story in my book of, like, my mom telling me, like, if you need to leave the church and marry a man, like, you and he will always be part of our family. So, the mom, so my mom was like, I talked to my gay kid, I did that, and then they still left the church. It didn't work. And I said, my mom didn't say that, so I was staying in the church. She said it because she meant it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but I, it, it's tough because parents just, like, want their kids to, that this thing that matters so much to them, they want to matter to their kids. And when it doesn't, you know, that's hard. And, you know, the church does matter so much to me. And, and, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, that, that, that happens. Um, and that sucks. You've talked a little bit about how this decision, like the decision to open your heart to someone comes at a loss, right? Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate losing, like with this podcast, that's going to go out, do you anticipate losing credibility? Do you anticipate losing, um, like power to do good? Yeah. You know, um, I have a good friend who I talked to about this, I was going to do this and she encouraged me not to. And she said that it would be, uh, she said, this isn't necessary. You're not dating yet. And maybe let people know when you have a boyfriend. And I said, I can't do that. I can't like, that just feels like I I don't want to hide anything. I just want to be open about it. Um, but, uh, I've been thinking about how, like, why is it my job to have the influence like, if my influence is going to diminish, and if fewer people are going to listen to me, then doesn't it behoove everyone else to use their influence and share their story? So if I'm going to have less opportunity to share my story, then in your ward, in your stake, in your family, share your story. But I don't need to do mine, because it doesn't matter, because everyone else will be doing it. And, um, you know, when I, when, I, when I go to give firesides, and I still give some, and I probably will give few to none going forward i would i mean invite me i'd still do it (laughs) um but i I always tell the people organizing that i'm just a flash in the pan like my fireside will do some good it'll teach some people but the work that really matters is what they're going to do after Mm. the ongoing stuff because a fireside doesn't change people it it may be a little um but the work that really matters is the work that happens after and the you know, people read my book and they'll have good experiences and it might change their heart. And that's wonderful. Like if they knew nothing. Um, but the real change happens in one-on-one conversations. 
when yeah. someone shares their story with someone and then there's a follow-up conversation and then another follow-up conversation and then maybe in the seventh and eighth or ninth conversation the that person feels something like has a real change of heart um so i think that's the influence that matters isn't whether or not i have a big influence but it matters that everyone uses in their sphere of influence shares their story that's what really matters and the truth is like there are people like who don't listen to me anyway. Like I, I spoke at Aspen Grove at a family camp at this BYU's family summer camp last year and talked about LG, like like um, LGBTQ uh, stuff in the church and I, I did a good job I thought. And there was a guy who interrupted my lesson. It was very rude, um, and then walked out. And and then he came back and I offered him a copy of my book and he said he wouldn't read it. He refused to read it. And there are so, like I encounter people like that too often. They're like no. I'm not going to listen. And if I can be a BYU honor code administrator, if I can have a book published with Desiree book, and if I can work in the temple, like, and, and like be as perfect as possible and people still don't listen, then this doesn't matter. Like they're not going to listen anyway. There's no amount of credibility that would make it work. Yeah. And and I can't make life choices based on people who I'm never going to be good enough for. So I'm not going to do that. I would love to teach them but they don't want to be taught. Someone else is going to have to teach them. (laughs) Yeah, Charlie. I just, I'm proud of you. That is a powerful statement. I can't make life choices based on people. I'm never going to be good enough for. Mm -hmm. And that is a hard lesson that, I don't know. I feel like so many of us try to be good enough for everyone because we're so ashamed from the age of three. Like whenever you notice that there's something inherently flawed in you, you try to be perfect and I think you're right. Like, it just reminded me of a couple of people in my life who I really love and who used to love me. And it, I just, I don't know, I've recently let it go. But it was hard to. But, it like... Yeah. I'll also say... Um, I didn't see you get into this with the objective to, like, change people or have influence. I saw you see a huge need in your local area uh-huh. and that's how it started and like you had a prompting to do something small that snowballed into this amazing direction yeah. and, you, and you know people ask me like ben how do i do what you do like how did you end up here? I'm like i don't know it's just gonna happen it just happened it just yeah. happened to me too i was like one day i was like i need to write an article and then it just <laughs> snowballed right yeah and i think god will use us where he can and I have seen the Lord's hand in this work. I I believe that God is so mindful of his LGBTQ children. I have seen miracles. I have seen hearts change. I have seen, like, you know, but like one day I would love to share some of the stories and experiences. They're like (laughs) so incredibly sacred and miraculous, like part the Red Sea miracles that I've seen. I just believe that God's hand is so, it is this work, right? And you're saying, I want to stand wherever God's hand is leading me. And I just fully believe, Ben, that if you're feeling that this is the move you need to make, your influence will not diminish. It is just needed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's needed for a space who needs help and is open to listening. Yeah. And so I, I would just, if that thought comes into your mind, just toss it out. Because I know that doing what you feel called to do is where God will give you the most influence for good. Yep. I believe that. Thank you. I believe it too. Yeah. So I feel like we've been talking for a while. 
Is there anything else you feel like you want to say that you haven't got to? Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about being single again. Is that all right? You love talking about being Back to your comfort zone, Ben. Um, <laughs> I, as I... And I, I think I've shared this story before, but when I was living in Tucson, we did, I did like this queer Book of Mormon study where we like read the Book of Mormon together as a group and talked about it together. And so I was reading the Book of Mormon with like this gay lens for the first time ever. And I was so struck by the story of Ammon because Ammon had, had the opportunity to get married and he said no. And as far as we know in the scriptures, he stayed single. Um, like there's no record of him getting married. But then what happened? I totally relate to having yeah. the opportunity to marry a woman and be like, actually, no You're thanks. Like, no thanks. I don't, want to, I don't want to marry the princess. I'll just, I'll just. Don't quit. marry the princess. I'm just going to go I'll like chill with the, the guys. Cells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Ammon ends up converting this people who become the anti-Nephi Lehi's. They become refugees in the land of the Nephites and the children of those refugees end up saving the Nephite people. And if that is the power of a, like if a single person can do that, then we whatever our station can do so much um, good in this world. Mm-hmm. And, and I have felt that. Like, I have felt the power that comes from living the life that I feel God called me to live. And for so long, that was being single. And that led to some unhealthiness, but a lot of really cool things, too. And I don't know what the next chapter looks like. But, and I don't know what this journey is going to look like, but I know I need to be on it. Um, because all I know is in the line upon line process of God leading me through my life, this is what I feel like the next line is. And I just want everyone to connect with God and feel like, find out what their next step is. That That's what I want. I, again, I, I'm shocked by your courage. I'm surprised by this decision. Um, I'm also proud of you because I feel like, in the past, you know, like you mentioned, like seven months where you were feeling like choked out a little bit, I feel like I saw that happening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, definitely, a been, lot of people saw it happening. And yeah, like I don't know, something's got to change here. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be this. I really didn't. I, I didn't either. I really didn't. Um, but I'm proud of you for making hard changes and noticing that you weren't growing at the rate that you felt like you needed to. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool yeah i i've had enough interactions with the divine that i know what the voice of god sounds like to me and i have learned not to ignore it i have a scripture and i almost am hesitant because i kind of want to give you the last word i love what you just said but i'm going back and forth whether to share it should i just do it okay i'm just gonna do it tell me the reference i'll quote it for you um it's john it's john 9 1 through 5 why don't you read it for us? <laughs> um, so I actually, I had a conversation with someone about this today and they said, it was so interesting because I had the same experience with the same scripture. And, but I was just thinking about this on the drive here. It says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples asked him saying, master, who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And this person was saying, and it's so interesting because I had the same prompting once to just switch the word blind for gay Mm -hmm. and see what that says. I've done that too. Really? Mm -hmm. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was gay from birth and his disciples asked him saying, master, who did sin this man or his parents that he was born gay? 
Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And I was talking to this wonderful person today who was in a similar position, just trying to figure it out, saying, I read this verse, and for the first time I thought, maybe I'm this way so the works of God could be made manifest in me. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something about me that needs to exist in the world to teach people or to help people learn a little bit more about God. And I just think that's beautiful. And as I was thinking about it, um, I thought about Christ, who was really, really confident in his birthright, in his identity, and was judged and criticized and misunderstood because of it. And I just thought about, like, how there was this religious people who were really set in their ways. And, like, Christ's confidence in his identity changed a lot. Like, it it took from, like, this rigid law, the law of Moses, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, this much more open way. So much so that as he was, like, ministering to people, the the religious people were so mad at the people that he was willing to save or he was willing to claim were saved and that we're still in God's embrace because they didn't feel like they should be. And I just thought, you know, like in addition to the works of God being made manifest, like the work of God is the salvation of his children. Mm -hmm. And our work is to become like Jesus Christ. And like, it's really cool that because of this thing that I believe came inherent with me when I, it was part of the package when I came here and you do too, you know, and because of that, like our confidence in our identity, if we are to be, Ben Shlade, if you are to be confident in your identity and your decisions, you will be judged and misunderstood harshly for it mm-hmm. by religious and non-religious people who treat you really with a lot of rigidity. Yeah, I know, Charlie. And what a blessing because like, that's a position that Christ has stood. Mm-hmm. That is that is the Savior's position. And what a blessing to stand in, in, in some small way, feel of that position. Mm-hmm. As we come to earth to become like Christ, what a blessing that we have this part of us that automatically puts us in that channel. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. It, it goes on to say, um, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And again, if, if you're looking for light and trying to figure this out for yourself and you've been looking to me or you've been looking to Ben or anybody else, I hope you've gotten some light for us. I hope we reflect the light of the Savior. I really try to, and Ben, I know you do too. Mm-hmm. I am the light of the world, says Jesus Christ, and that is the light to look to, mm-hmm. and that is the light to follow. And I am just so blessed to have a friend like you who follows that light even though it puts you in situations that, you know, that are Christ-like. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Charlie. That's very kind and a very beautiful way to end this. Yeah. Now go on a date, Ben. No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Questions from the Closet, or sharing this podcast with someone you love. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We're not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. 
If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until Until next time. time.